0: And here is your book on this. It's mine What a gift. Mm-hmm. How happy it makes me. I concentrate on doing exactly what you say. I always have and I always feel. Mm-hmm. So, uh, um, mm-hmm. years ago, uh, I had a mentor, advancement Sharon Adams, my mentor, and uh, she taught me a lot of things in uh, the past for Mrs. Stokes. and. Uh, Said, you should talk to Naomi. You should talk to Sister Naomi, And so she was. I remember the first time she that I heard the scripture come. I heard it on the inside of me, you know. And so I didn't realize that, uh, you know, that God's word. I, I don't know why I'm glad to share this with you, but anyway. So there was a, a scripture the first time that I heard the scripture. Uh, was Micah 6 and 8, he had showed the old man what is good and just, what the Lord required me to do justly, to love mercy, and walk home with like God. So that word, so what had happened at, at that time, there was Sunday night, Bible study, and, and praise and worship, there was an evening service, and, then a, and so I was, the, the Sunday evening was my, uh, my opportunity to, to share the word. And so I heard that scripture, and I had to go to my strongest Concordance <laughs> to find it, find out where it is, and to look it up. But God's word is alive. Amen. And uh, uh, Hebrews 4.12 says, The word of God is quick and powerful, uh, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing us under soul from spirit and bone from marrow, and is a discerner of thoughts and intentions of, of, of the heart. And by your words I can see where I'm going, I remember the uh, uh, years ago. It was uh, you all prayed for me. I'm grateful. Uh, what I had I had pneumonia before, and I heard uh, that I won't die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> and so, yes. Shirley, uh and I didn't know. I didn't realize that at that time. Uh, Shirley was working at Walmart, and uh, and somebody had prayed with her. She had just broke down at work and cried mm-hmm. and uh, somebody prayed with her and said that very same scripture and I told her, I said that was the scripture that the Lord gave me that I knew I was going to be okay yeah. and so he said by your words uh, I love uh, Proverbs where he said death and life are in the power of your tongue right. mm-hmm. and so I've committed myself and I'll never turn back so God by his grace and his mercy in my life he has caused my mind to be my heart to be fixed, and my mind to be made up, to persevere, to stay my course, to yeah. go to go the distance with God. Amen. So no matter what what comes my way, yeah. what whatever happens. I, I love how in Romans, said, he said nothing can separate us from the love of God. Yeah. You know, so no matter what goes on in my life, that's okay. Jesus is Lord, yes. and He's Lord of my life, and I'm gonna just keep saying yes, Lord, amen. not my Yes, website. Amen. He said, and I've committed myself. A, I'm living your righteousness sort or of not living my way or the way that I think. Right. Mm. You know. so that takes me to Proverbs 3, where he said, In all my ways I'm going to acknowledge him. And he directs my path. Right. He said, So do so, me with your finest sayings, God. In other words, teach me your holy rules. I in other words, I can't live holy. I don't know how.
1: Right.
0: I don't know how to love anybody. Right. Mm. I don't know how to love God, but especially anybody else, at least of all myself. Yeah. But the more that I commit myself, he teaches me. He teaches he keeps my heart open to say, Yes, Lord. What what does he want what does he want more than what do I want? so good. So, uh, so yeah, the wicked do their best to throw me off track, whatever, to, to get me distracted, whatever. <laughs> uh, you know. The Bible says in Ephesians 6 12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, Amen. but against principalities, power with rulers of darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. So uh when I shared that Micah 68 with my mentor, she said, she said it was that was just like she told me later, she told me like the next day. She said that was the very verse that the Lord had given her to speak to her heart that evening. Before we, before we had church that, that that evening, and I said, "Well, I'm glad to know that the Lord was using me to confirm something that was going on in her in her life at that time." And so it it blessed me to be able to. Uh, she had told me, "Well, you know, you know the word, but you have to learn how to minister." <laughs> I said, "Well, I don't know how to do that either, but God, God had, in His mercy has taught me how to do things through the years." So I just keep saying, "Yes, Lord." I, not what I, not what I think or feel, but what, what do you want, Lord? Right. And so I inherited your book on living. It's my purpose. What a gift, yeah. Right. Every James said, "What a good, every good and perfect gift comes from above." Right. So it's all about Him anyway. Yes. So we just, so no matter how many gifts, yeah, I don't care if you got a million of them. Right. The main one is love. Mm-hmm. You know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Your neighbors. Amen. He said, I concentrate on doing exactly what you say. Yes. <laughs> so my mind's made up. Uh, there's times when, uh, like somebody has, they have a prayer time that uh, they want me to be a part of. And the and the Lord has already committed me. The Lord committed me. And he said, I want you to. I said, Lord, what do I do whenever there's a I, I, uh, these two different things come up around mm-hmm. the same time. Lord said, you follow me. That's right. And so that's what it comes down to. So I'll go in the direction that God shows me. That's right. How's this all about him anyway? That's right. God yep. is all about his glory? What was I, what are we, what am I created for? That's right. Why do I live? Why? Because I'm created for his glory. What, wow. Every area of my life. That's good. All for, his glory and his, for his glory and by good. So I give God praise.
2: So God bless wow. you. Wow. Thank you. Awesome. Right. Wow. It's, um, to me, the humility, humility and aligning with the Word of God go so closely together. You know, and it just—it just was highlighted to me when Naomi said it. Um, it takes a lot of humility to just say, "I don't know how to love people." I certainly don't know how to love God. You know, in a in a, in a church gathering, that takes a lot of humility to say that. And yet, that is exactly what our heart, that's exactly what's required of our hearts to be taught, to be taught by the Word of God in particular. When we can have the courage to say, I don't know how to be holy, I don't know how to be set apart, I don't know how to be different, Um, and give God glory with my life, I need to be taught every single step, that's the perfect place. In the perfect heart to approach God's Word and, and I think that's what the author says when he says incline my heart yeah. towards you that's that's to me that's what that communicates uh, a heart that just says God I want to love you I want to love my brothers and my sisters I want to love my wife I want to love my kids I want to love the gal at Walmart you need to teach me how to do that and um, yeah, I think if we can begin to approach God's word that way with that level of humility, with that level of truly saying this is all about Him, it's all for His glory. It's yeah. all for His purposes. Thank you. Yeah, that's I'm your cards that's right. when sanctification starts. And I think when, when Paul says in um, 2 Timothy chapter 3, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Um, That that is one of many, many, many passages that basically says we have to know the Word of God. We have to know the Word of God. someone like Naomi, when she speaks what's beautiful is she almost only speaks scripture Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. ah, she talked for five minutes and four and a half of it was just (laughs) scripture you know and that's great when it's in you and starts coming out that's fruit you know that's the fruit of someone who's spent their life pursuing the things of God and desiring the things of God and this is um, if you remember uh diane will you read again that um deuteronomy 6 passage deuteronomy 6 i think it was yes. 1 through 8. i want to i, I want to remind us of this passage um what is it deuteronomy,
0: 6?
2: De, deuteronomy 6 i think it was oh
3: yeah it is Now this is the commandment and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, you and your son and your grandson, all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house when you walk by the way when you lie down and when you rise up you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates
2: one through nine. Yes, just you know, such a beautiful passage, and I think remembering the context of this one is very, very beneficial, very, very helpful. So, what's the context of, of this uh, of this passage?
4: Just know the
2: word Okay, who's teaching it to who? I'm talking about this exact Moses. Is Moses is teaching it,
3: along.
2: it. Pa- passing it along to whom?
3: The next generation
2: Basically ge- generation number two of the Israelites Why generation number two? Generation one didn't make it Generation number one You know spent their, spent their time Doubting and wandering and walking in circles So he's sharing this with Generation number two Just prior to Handing the torch off to Joshua So he can lead them in right? And so and so, what is where Where are the Israelites And what are they getting ready to do at this point? they're just on, they're just on, I think, the west side of the Jordan, and they're getting ready to cross over into the Promised Land, right? And I think that's a beautiful reminder, context-wise, of this statement, because if we're not careful, we take this statement and we think about Sunday school, right? And we think about a church service, and we think about um, sitting and, and studying God's Word so we can learn something, And and I think the context is so much bigger than that because of who they were and what they were getting ready to do. They were getting ready to move into a new land and essentially start living, right, as God's covenant people group. These are generational slaves who really don't know how to live, don't know how to be a community, don't know how to be a people. And so when God was telling them, you gotta, you gotta talk about my ways. You gotta know my statutes and my precepts and my judgments. And you gotta teach them to your kids. And this ain't, this ain't about an hour a week on Sunday. This is the, this is your, this is your life. Like Naomi said, my whole life is is about God. And so why would looking at His Word and, and learning from His Word be? Reduced to an hour a week on Sunday, you know, a passage like this just reminds us this was so much bigger than what it's gotten reduced down to today in so many cases, right? We gotta, we gotta re- remember the context, because because if if we have eyes to see it, the context has not changed, right? We are still being invited to be God's covenant people group. We are still being invited to be holy and set apart unto Him. We are still being invited to inhabit. Uh, a, a land, you know, from which we will serve God and accomplish His purposes, and required in requiring all of that is knowing and keeping God's commandments. It's nothing; no part of this has changed, right? And so, um, so you know, as most of you know, my, my one of my primary times to study the Word is on Mondays, and I get to I get to have the day off on Monday. And I thank God for that. And, and I usually go out in the desert and I, and I spend that time, you know, in His Word and in prayer and worship and whatnot. And uh, it's remarkable to me how every time, uh, every week, wherever I go in His Word, wherever I feel like He leads me in His Word, um, there is something perfect. You know, something perfect about what He's showing us and what He's teaching us. And, and um, you know, as we, uh, as we looked at Deuteronomy chapter 20... Um, A few weeks ago when we talked about God saying to the people of of Israel, um, I place before you life and death, right? You make a choice. You can choose life and blessings if you keep my commandments. You can choose cursings and death if you choose idolatry. It's not too far. It's not up in heaven where you can't reach it. It's not across the sea where you can't reach it. It's right in front of you. I give you the choice, either my ways or the highways, right? And, And within the context of that passage, um, we, we just really felt like the Lord was going to lead us into knowing His commandments, right? If we're going to keep God's commandments, first thing we got to do is know God's commandments, right? And unfortunately, in the bride of Christ these days, there's not even a lot of that going on, right? So we got to be diligent to know God's commandments. So so we um, we invited the Spirit to lead us into teach us, teach us the commandments, the commandments that you want this representation of the bride of Christ to begin to align with right now. We know there's lots of uh, available, and that there's lots ahead of us, but what do you have for us right now? And what I see going on is him shoring up the family unit, you know, that's, that's just sort of my perspective on the commandments that he's led us to thus far. It started off with, I would argue, kind of a focus on the men, but really a focus on, on um, all, about uh, basically being pure, specifically sexually pure. About how we can really only love our spouses when we are that, and and, um, and there are many, many commandments throughout God's word regarding remaining sexually pure, and and, um, and and that's ultimately the only way that we will be able to to minister to uh, our spouses in particular, and that and that um, one of the absolute um, first steps. Um, uh, uh, of a um, of a born-again believer is to abstain from sexual immorality into and, and to be pure in that area um, And then he moved us on to into the kids and the kids um, was a pretty simple one right Jenna. What was it? Honor Your mother and your father right one of the top top ten if you uh, if you go by What was carved in stone and um, and we talked about what honor means we talked about um that um, the, this was a commandment that, come with, that comes with a promise, and it's, and it's a very um, significant part of what God calls kids to be as set-apart members of a set-apart home, is you guys honor your father and your mother, right? And that, and that en- encompasses obedience, but much more than that even. And then we moved on to kind of I think where we're at currently and it was really a focus on um, the order in the home and the order in the marriage in particular and here's where I circle back to my time in the desert so I was in the desert this last week and I just really felt like the Lord led me to read the book of Colossians and by the way if, if, you, um, if, you, if you give it an opportunity to read through entire books of the Bible in one sitting I, I highly recommend that I just think it's so Powerful when you when you um, when especially a book like Colossians, which is fairly short, when you read the whole thing and just kind of see um, how the Spirit lays something out, it, you know, it's just a neat way to do it. But one of the things that I um, that I noticed in Colossians, turn to that real quick, is um, in this um, short book, it's only. Uh, it's only four chapters, and, and kind of the context is Paul's kind of dealing with a very small church, a church that heard heard the gospel message um, and, and responded to it, and, and they're just kind of getting underway, and there's some, um, there's some heresies and some false teachings that are being taught in this city and in this town, and, and Paul's kind of dealing with them and correcting some of them, and within it. He basically lays out um, kind of some instruction on how to be a a Christian home, you know, and and this is a, a, um, I don't know, there's just something about this that struck me um, with the simplicity of it, because obviously for uh, for us to be Christian homes, for us to have set apart homes, homes um, where where holiness is walked in, God's commandments are, are followed, um, uh, you know, we, we are um, diligent to be who God's calling us to be. There are many, many things that can be instructed, right? Many, many commandments, many um, instructions, many statutes, precepts, and judgments that Paul could have mentioned in this, you know, short piece about being a Christian home. But but when I look at the, he only mentions three things basically, or four things. And let's read these together. It's uh, chapter three, Colossians chapter three. Someone read real loud verses eighteen through twenty one. This is Paul, under the under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Remember, all Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, so on and so forth. In training, men of God and women of God. For all righteousness and, and, and good work. So, so, um, so this is obviously inspired by the Holy Spirit. And this is specifically under the heading of, this is what it looks like to have a Christian home. This is what is necessary to be a Christian home. And look at the things he mentions here. Someone read that. Wives,
5: submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents and everything for this pleases the Lord. Fathers do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged.
2: Okay, so so um so that's it. Um, I mean, and he goes on to talk about um, basically slaves, which we're not going to get into because that's outside of our context now. Um, but but the first of uh, four pieces. I think are very telling and it's, and it's interesting to me that I didn't read this passage prior to us beginning this journey of keeping the commandments um, but these but the commandments that we've studied are exactly what Paul mentions here and um, we, we kind of talked about the husbands loving your wives and in particular the commandment that is very important for um, us to follow regarding loving our wives which is remain pure sexually in particular and, um, and I did look up that um, the word bitter here is, um, uh, I think in the version of Calvin's it said harsh, and in my version it says bitter. The, um, the Greek word that is used there is um, pikros, P-I-K-R-O-S. And, um, and it's interesting because it says, um, it's from the idea of being piercing or sharp. So um, Kyle's version said, did it say harsh, Kyle? Yeah, you're talking about husbands. Yeah, eyes. yeah. Harsh. Do not be harsh, or do not be piercing, do not be sharp. Um, so, so the commandment for the, for the guys is love your wife and do not be sharp with them. Love your wife and do not be harsh with them. Love your wife and do not be piercing with them. And I would speculate, and I just, and I just uh, throw this out there for what it's worth, if you struggle in that area, in particular being harsh with your wife, piercing with your wife, um, sharp with your wife, I would, um, I would challenge you to gauge whether or not you are pure. And I'm, and I'm only saying that because of kind of how the Spirit has led us in this area. Like if, if that is some of the fruit of impurity in particular, then that needs to be exposed. Right? Make sense? And then obviously we have the um, kids, obey your parents and all things. This is, uh, this is well pleasing to the Lord. That one is exactly the commandment that we looked at and and uh, spent several weeks looking at, so that one remains the same. And then and then the first one, to me, this is where we'll we'll kind of focus in today. Um, it says, "Wives, submit to your husband, as is fitting to the Lord." Now, as I said, there could have been a huge number of possible things Paul could have mentioned to be a Christian home. Right? There is a a lot of things that he could have mentioned. To this group of new believers in kind of a harsh territory. That's that's a lot of um, incorrect things are being taught. Paul's kind of righting the ship a little bit, bringing them back to what's most important. And the specific thing that he mentions to the wife regarding a Christian home is that she's to submit to her husband. And I just, to me, that was um, striking to me that that would be the thing that he would mention, that that would be uh, the thing that he brings up. And it just reminded me of basically everywhere the, the, the scriptures mention a, um, the, a marriage, the marriage covenant and the order in the home, this is basically what is shared regarding the woman. That it's the woman's um, responsibility and opportunity to submit to the, to the husband. Right, and and um, and we started last week to speak on a little bit about why that is, but I want to go back and read it in particular um, the um, the piece about the mystery of marriage as it relates to the bride of Christ and Christ being the bridegroom. All right, so let's go to Ephesians chapter five real quick. I think most people do that
3: as by the way.
5: They
6: have it? If they okay. don't. But they okay. don't. But Yes. Yeah. Can I just look at the there's, there's one, two, three, there's four items that I've kind of seen some, seeing this, I just want to say that these things become difficult to even, to any, whether it be the wife, the husband, the child, for the Father to carry out if we're out of alignment
2: and hundred percent. Absolutely exactly right. And and, and and we're and I'm just gonna I think we're just gonna talk about why. Okay. Because that is so right on the money and, and again, um, here's and I have the benefit of um of really truly believing that I'm that I'm following the Holy Spirit's lead on this. Right, because obviously, again, regarding the marriage, regarding the home, there's so many things that we could talk about. There's so many things that that um, in a lot of cases need correction or realignment or refocus or whatever. But the Bible is very clear, seemingly very clear, on what's the most important. On because it only mentions a couple things, and um, and I think there's a there's a there's a a why that is way beyond what we understand here, and it's, and it's why these things cannot be um, ignored. You know, one of the things we talked about last week is some of the things that, that we will kind of use as excuses to ignore what God's Word says. We talked about, you know, kind of culture changing, changing God's Word into, into what's acceptable. We talked about just the flesh and the strength of the flesh, always going to be contrary to the Spirit. We talked about conditional um, obedience. Basically, I will obey if they will do this. You know, if, you know that piece. Um, but like Michael said, if 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 this if we are out of alignment in these areas, it is very difficult to be a, a set part home, right? And and, and I think um, part of the reason why is explained in Ephesians chapter five. So, someone read real loud. Um, 22 through uh, 22 through 33 of Ephesians chapter 5.
4: Wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of His body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is profound mystery, but I'm talking about the Christ and talked about Christ in the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband.
2: Okay, so so as we talked about last week, uh, one of the things that we must really remain diligent regarding is understanding marriage as a um, you know God created and God defined thing, and not a You know, a a modern-day cultural thing. You know, it's this is an ancient, God-created, God-designed thing, and um, it was created for a very specific purpose. And we we see in Genesis chapters one and two that that man is created and then woman is created as his helpmate Mm -hmm. in order to accomplish man and woman's purposes on the earth. So there is a, a a design there. That um, regarding the design for man and the design for, design for women and how they are to complement each other, that design is God's design, and marriage is sort of the, the outflow of that. And so that's one of the reasons why that can't be messed with is because there's a very specific purpose there. It's not just a convenience thing. It's not a, it's not a tax thing. It's not a legal thing. It's a God thing. Right? For God's purposes. And so if we mess it up or change it in any ways, it's going gonna, it's gonna to not accomplish the purposes for which God created it. That's one of the reasons. The second reason I think that Paul hits on here in Ephesians 5, and I think the word he uses that's the most appropriate, is it is somehow mysteriously also represents what Christ and the church are going to be together right and so and so it's it's for that reason I would argue maybe even more importantly that this has to be understood correctly and and positioned correctly because it represents like the biggest thing get that marriage represents the biggest thing the culmination of God's divine creation wide eternal plan is the wedding supper of the lamb the reunion of the of the spotless bride and the bridegroom that is the culmination in Genesis 20 I'm mean, sorry Revelation 21 and 22 and somehow some way the the one flesh marriage as God designed it somehow mysteriously kind of represents that and 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 begins to help us understand it and experience it make make sense so that's why it can't be messed with That's why it can't be changed. We don't have the place to change it. We don't have the right to change it. And it will necessarily change our understanding of where God's taken this whole thing. Right? It's just like the holy days and so many other things in scripture. God is constantly giving us things to help us get on his same page. The more the extent to which either Satan changes them, which he's always trying to do, or we just begin to ignore them. We get off God's page more and more and more. And all of a sudden... You know, you have a real immature, frankly, pretty clueless bride of Christ that just thinks that everything's up for grabs, right? And that's the culture that we're in, and unfortunately, it's not going to change. More important than ever that we stick with what's written and that we don't allow culture or anything else to change what is written, that this is the truth, this is the word, and this is what will guide and protect our lives and extend our lives, according to Deuteronomy 20, if we walk in it. Amen? Amen. So, so, um, so, uh, uh, regarding everything that could be said about about the marriage and about the Christian home, the one thing that it says, especially um, regarding the ordering, is that the man is the head of the wife, and and that the wife's um, responsibility is to submit to the husband as the head. Okay. Now, if you just read that in Scripture, and if you just read that in the flesh, I promise you, you will rebel against it. I promise you, you will, you, will, you will get defensive. I promise you, you will fight against it. I promise you, um, you will start to think about all the things culture says, that says that ain't right. Or you abuse it. Right, or yeah, or if you're a man, you'll, you'll, you'll abuse it. Right, one of the things that I think is, is amazing, I just want to brag on Diane, because um, I get to. Um, you know, when, when, when we began to read about um, this like uh, two weeks ago, and last week in particular, You know, where a lot of um, wives could very easily, you know, defend against this and and, and push back against this, she went and found these scriptures and printed them up and put them around her house. You know, to me, that's just a beautiful um, spiritual response to hearing what the Spirit is saying and really aligning with what Deuteronomy 6 says, right? It literally says, write these things on your doorpost. Why? Because it's God's Word, and we're doing our best. As, um, as, you know, the, this family to, to be set apart and to align with His Word and to put His Word in front of us. And, and, and I think that was just a beautiful thing. Like, that, that could easily be something that she was actually defensive against or, or um, would, would, would fight back against. She did the exact opposite. She said, no, that's God's Word. I'm going to put it up so we can study this together, so we can talk about this together. I just thought that was beautiful. God.
5: Got some here uh, for for like people watching or Roman Roman Catholic Church. Like Diane was saying, there's a lot of um, unfortunately there's a lot of men that take it out of context and just stop stop at that point and abuse it. And it says, "Husband loves your wife uh, just as Christ loves the Church and gave himself up for her." And Jesus came to serve and wash feet. Exactly. So <clears throat> we wanna make sure we counter that with that truth and the word right there. Which is
2: exactly why this takes a united commitment as a couple in particular to align with what's written. Right? And that's Kyle's exactly right. If either if either part doesn't play their part and this goes to Michael's point in the very beginning, it throws it off. Right. It makes it very difficult. It will create a lot of strife. It will create a lot of conflict. This is where um, headship becomes incredibly important. Okay. So let's talk about headship. Go to First um, Corinthians chapter 13 real quick.
6: You uh, want that? One second. Yeah. Because the minute you said strife, I actually typed it in my <laughs> notes. And I want to say this from my from my perspective. It will not only cause um, strike in your relationship, and, and I say this with my own <coughs> my own awareness, mm-hmm. in my relationship with my men, it will absolutely be the, the thing that the enemy will want to go after the most. And the enemy will utilize it, whether it be with the wife or the husband as a, a vehicle to steal you from God's Absolutely. purpose. Yep. Period.
2: Yep. On that note, how many had a difficult week? <laughs> how many had um, strife or conflict or um, oppression of some kind that was almost like mm-hmm. comically beyond normal? I mean, it was unbelievable. I, I contact with so many this week that Mm -hmm. were like holy cow what in the world is happening and here's the reality guys um whenever the biggest breakthroughs are like right in front of us that's when satan throws his haymakers right and that's exactly what michael's talking about there is there's a concerted effort by the enemy to cause quitting um uh, giving up fighting whatever it is to prevent us from hearing what's being said right now, I guarantee it's true. Because I had all this planned for last week, by the way, um, and we didn't get to it. And we didn't get to it partly because we, I got going too long and I got distracted a little bit. And in um, whatever reason, it just got pushed off. And so this week provides an opening in Satan. Holy cow. Right, he had his he had his way, and I do praise God by the way for a lot of perseverance that was required to to reach breakthroughs that happened that I witnessed and that I experienced that were beautiful. That was I was a very um, I was proud as a pastor and as a, a friend to a lot of people in this room with the way that persever- with with um, the way that perseverance and right righteousness won out. You know, there was no quitting, there was no stopping. There was only um, diligence to, 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 to see the right thing play out. And that's why this room is full today, praise God, because I know Satan wanted this room to be empty today. And, um, and it's all because what, what he's going to show us, what he's trying to show us right now is so big and so important and so critical as, as Paul described. Here's a Christian home. I'm going to tell you three things you got to do. Husbands, you gotta love your wife and don't be sharp towards them. Don't be harsh towards them. Wives, you gotta submit to your husband as, as you do to the Lord. And kids, you obey your parents. If guys, if we will just do those three things, I promise you, revolutionary good fruit is coming. Revolutionary God being glorified is coming. If we will just do those three things: kids, obey your parents. Husbands, love your wives and don't be harsh towards them. And wives, submit to your husbands. Those three things. That's what God's saying right now. That's what the Spirit is saying right now. Do those three things, and your marriages and your homes will be revolutionary <laughs> set apart, distinct from everybody else. All right, so let's talk about headship. Um, everyone got that piece of paper that, that if you don't spread it out? So we put a, we put a, a verse on top of that uh, paper that I want someone to just read out loud real quick, talking about headship. <clears throat> We serve a God of order, and God's order is always intentional. It's always incredibly important, and aligning with it is what we're called to do. So these are the, this is the order of how headship and authority works in God's kingdom, in God's reality. Michael, you want to read that?
6: But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ, the head of woman is man, and the head of Christ
2: is God okay so there you have an order of headship which which represents an order of authority an order of protection um, submission kind of going from the bottom up but that's the biblical order that we need to all be in one accord about starting right now crystal clarity God is the top authority the head the God is the head of Christ who is under God. Christ is the head of man who is under Christ. And, woman, and, and man is the head of woman who is under man. I, I left my whiteboard at the space. Otherwise, I would have wrote it up there just because it's easy to see. But you guys remember how I listed it before? Just picture that sitting right here. God, Jesus, man, woman. The word is super clear about how the headship works. Okay, Understanding that and even, and even um, desiring to align with that, we need to kind of know what that means, right? Just, just uh, for me to say I'm the head of Diane, that's great. We can agree on that and be in one accord about that, but what does that really mean? And, and how is it walked out? How is it practiced? What, is it, what does it look like day to day, you know, that's the part that I, that I think we're supposed to um, uncover today. And the way we're going to uncover it today is by looking at how it was walked out perfectly. Right? Which is going to require us to look at who? Jesus. Okay? He's always our model for what, per, for what God's statutes, judgments, commandments, precepts, ordinances walked out perfectly. Jesus is always our example. Right? So we know Jesus' head is who? God.
6: Okay?
2: God is the head of Jesus. I want to look at Scripture and say, what did that mean in Jesus' life? Right? Because that's going to mean um, something to everyone in this room. And why is that? Because who is the head of Eric? Jesus.
5: Jesus. Jesus.
2: Right? So I want to know how Jesus responded to God... Because that is exactly how I'm supposed to respond to Jesus. Does that make sense? If, if God is Jesus' head, I want to know what that meant for Jesus, because Jesus is my head, and I want to know how to walk that out. What does it mean to Diane? How Jesus responded to God is how she is supposed to respond to who?
1: Okay,
2: now that gets... You notice how few people answer that question?
1: Right? This is
2: is where it gets real, real interesting. Right? And I'm not even going to say, by the way, that how Jesus responded to God, God being the head of Christ, how Jesus responded to to God is exactly how Jesus, I'm sorry, how Diana is supposed to respond to me. I'm not even going to say that. That could be, honestly. I don't know. I'm just not at a point where I can say that right now, because I don't fully understand this. But I do believe that the Spirit will lead us there to exactly what that means. We do know for certain that the Word of God says that I am the head of Diane. Right? And that's going to mean something, and that's going to um, have practical application regarding how we parent, how we love and minister to one another, how we lead our home, every every part of it. Right? So all I want to do is begin this... Um, Exploration, I guess, by by reading what this meant in Jesus's life, and um, and here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna ask each of you to write down. Um, we're gonna look at like eight scriptures or so that I found. Does
3: everybody have
2: a pen? Yeah. And and when, when we read these scriptures here, here's what I want you to do. I want you to write down, sort of in a kind of a paraphrased summary statement, what this headship looks like to Jesus. Yes. To the extent that they can, I I had it in mind for them to do it as well. And that's why we're going to kind of do this out loud and together.
0: So we're going to do a reading and then...
2: Exactly. We're going to read it, we're going to kind of understand the, the statement and the context, and then we're just going to kind of summarize it, and you're going to write down that summary. And we're going to end with like eight summary statements of what God being the head of Jesus meant in Jesus' life. Okay? Then I'm going to ask each of us to pray into each of those things and kind of evaluate where you are in each of these. Some of them you might be very much aligned with already. Some of them you might be on the absolute opposite, rebelling against its side. But this is how we begin to judge the fruit, right? And I think this is the stuff that Satan was really not wanting to see happen. Because right, we're going we're gonna to get everything exposed to the extent that we literally put it on paper so that we can begin to understand where we're deceived, understand where we're being rebellious, understand where we're being tricked by culture or, or um, conditional obedience or whatever it might be so that we can bring these things into alignment. Amen? Everyone understand what we're doing? Anyone got any big problems right now? No? Okay. If you have them, bring them up.
7: It's important that we do. Okay, I have a question. Yes, sir. My wife and I have been married for 45 years, okay? And we've always felt like the marriage is a three person marriage it's Jesus, God, my wife, and myself. It creates a triangle that cannot be broken. Mm-hmm. If you just don't have God in it, you've got a stick that right. can easily be broken. Exactly right. If you got only a man and you're with God, that is easily broken by sin. But when you got the marriage and it's like that, it's a triangle. Exactly right. Now, I really struggle with the woman being subject to the man. Right. Because the, the difference between that is so little that the line is even in God's eyes. That's the way I feel. Right. So, well, um, and, and here's where...
2: Um, here's where, uh, as we kind of talked about last week, um, you, you finished your, your struggle with, that's how I feel. Right? And, and, and quite frankly, that is where um, many... Uh, misalignments begin is I don't feel that this is the right way to do it. I don't feel like this is fair. I don't feel like this is appropriate. I don't feel like I'm reading this correctly or or whatever the case may be. Or 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 even I feel like I I haven't been doing this this way, but it's worked anyways. And and, and my challenge to you Rick is to um is to is to move beyond that feeling and and really dig deep into what the truth of God's word says, "Does that make sense?" And it's going to take commitment and courage to do that, right? And in, in, in my, I speculate what you will find is that even if it's worked to this extent, you guys have been married for how long? Forty-five. Forty-five. That's amazing. I praise God for that. That there's maybe that there's maybe even better to be experienced in the next forty-five. Which which puts you guys pretty old, by the way. Okay? Go ahead,
3: I I feel like there's one interjection that I want to make. Because right as you were speaking that, we've always done, I I think that, I'm not wrong, so anyone can correct me. The assumption is that I, as the wife, already have, as the Bible talks about, again, again, my personal relationship with God. Because what I will say, we've also witnessed is, taking it out of context it's god jesus man and wife and trust us we have known people to be married for 40 plus years and the man is the woman's idol not her relationship isn't with god it, do you see how that can get distorted as well so i think that when as i have read this over the last two weeks i like really just like what does that look like it's i I hate using the word assumption, but it's under the assumption that I am a new creation. I am a belief, Like, I'm born again as my as a wife. It's Absolutely. not. But there's, and so even that, and Eric knows this as well, like three so years ago, as amazing as we think our marriage is, and as amazing as your marriage is, I feel like God is like, you don't even know what I got planned for you. And I think that's that shift that I'm telling you, God has done so many awesome things in three years since he told me that, that he's like. As great as you think your marriage is you aren't even scratching it and that got me excited because I'm like really and so I think this is an amazing next next piece next step but I think it also goes under that assumption that that I as the wife have gotten the proper perspective as well but then there's a way that it's walked out that again it is mysterious that I am excited to see how does that look to be walked out right. that really will set our marriage, your marriage, and any other marriage in this room so starkingly different. Not like, oh, my husband's such a beast and he tells me what to do. That's wrong. Right. Or, oh, my husband's amazing. And I don't know what to do unless he tells me. That's not right. right. You know, like there's that's the worldly view. Right. And, and I'm excited to see what it'll do. And I do. I believe that whatever's this next like revelation and the eyes that are going to be open, I'm so. Sub- Super excited for you guys yep. because I know God's like, man, it's amazing as it is. Can you imagine that you might only be experiencing five percent of what that one flesh marriage is supposed to look like? Yep. And I think that's exciting personally. And
2: and and by the way, this doesn't only um, apply to married couples, right? Because because if um, for all the singles that are in here, um, you're are Christ is your head. Mm-hmm. Right? So and this what we're gonna study, what we're gonna look at. As Jesus being under the headship of God applies to everyone in this room. If you are not married, Christ is your head. If you happen to be married, right, and you're the wife, man is your head. But this applies to everybody, kids included. All right, Diana? So listen up. Kate and, Oh, yeah, and Dana. What this should also um, uh, hide hi- Well, we'll get to that in just a second. So let's just look at Jesus. Let's just look at our... Let's look at the true and blemished Lamb... As the, as the example of God's statutes, judgments, and precepts walked out perfectly, he understood God to be his head, and he walked that out perfectly. So what did that look like? All right, first one we're going to look at is John chapter 5, verses 16 through 19. If you want to write that address on your paper, just so you um, know. What was it, John what? John chapter 5, Gospel of John chapter 5, verses 16 through 19. And once someone finds that, you can read it out loud. I think I just used the book of John, so you can just, we're just going to be in John looking at some examples. 16
8: through 19. For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things in the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My Father has been working until now, and I have been working therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him, because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his Father, making himself people with God. And Jesus <coughs> answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do, for whatever he does, the Son also does in my community. Okay,
2: so how would... How would uh... How would you summarize that if you had to summarize that into just sort of a a few, a few words statement, one one statement that would describe what was just that what, what Jesus just uh, said regarding him understanding God to be his head? What did he What did he say there?
1: He can only mirror God. Jesus can only mirror God.
2: Good, Andrew. Yeah. Will you read that one more
8: time? Yeah, please. For this reason the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him, because he had done things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father has been working until now, and I have been working. Therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him, because he had not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do, Whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. Okay, so that last sentence there in particular, listen to
2: what Jesus is saying. Understanding God to be his head, he says, But whatever I see the Father doing, the Son of Man does in like manner. So that's a pretty... Go ahead, Dana. I
9: have... um, We... uh... What he said here also was making himself equal with God. That's right. how they saw it. Right. So they didn't see as he was submissive exactly right. to God either. Yep. He was calling himself God according to them right. by saying these things right. or doing these works.
2: And we'll get to that and equality piece in just a second. By and way. husband
9: and wife, when it says wife submit to your husband, that doesn't make her unequal to her husband. Right. That just makes her, in proportion to him, he is still just that still her head but right. the head without the body is exactly expensive. right so, see it's it's the um,
2: the the um the skewed perspective on the things of god always is going to come from the flesh yes. right the flesh is going to hear the ways of god the word of god the ordering of god the proper positioning of god and see the wrong thing in it right they're going to see god as sexist or they're going to see god as you know unfair you know the flesh is always going to have a skewed perspective exactly like Dana said jesus didn't say anything about being equal with god that's just what the flesh saw Mm -hmm. right that's what the flesh heard but what did jesus say i only do what i see the father doing right so write down some kind of a summary statement there that um, helps you remember this was a part of how jesus responded to god being his head Next one, chapter 6, verse
3: 38. we just saying John You said. Yep.
2: Chapter 6, <laughs> verse 38. Actually, let's read 35 and finish with 30, 35 through 30, 38, finish with 38. Take
3: take the verses one more
6: time? Still John? Yep.
2: John, chapter 6. 35-38 through
3: 38.
5: Then Jesus declared I am the bread of life He who comes to me will never go hungry and he who believes in me will never be thirsty But as I told you you have seen me and still you did not believe All that the Father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me. I will never drive away for I have come down from heaven and <clears throat> not to do my will, but to do the will of Him who sent me.
2: Okay. That, that verse 38 is probably just the, the best summary statement one more time. Kyle, read verse 38. This is Jesus' response to God being His head.
5: For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of Him who sent me.
3: See, and I think 37 is what jumped out even more to me because it's basically his will of being here is to draw people of the God, mm-hmm. like to the Father. So if we're doing our positioning correctly, it shouldn't draw anything other than, if anything, people to, to God, or at least the curiosity of why would you do what you're doing? Right. Cause a question in that way.
2: Yep. Which is a good statement, by the way. Anyways, what is the head's... I'm sorry, what is the body's role? It's really to carry out the desire of the head. Okay. Right? The head, if we take our own bodies, there's a reason the Holy Spirit used these metaphors for us. The head sets the direction. The head is the, it's the source. You know, the, the um, you guys know what I'm saying. It, it's, and then it's the body's job to, to walk that out, to carry it out, to act it out. And so, and so this this is a beautiful statement of jesus is saying i I'm, I'm not setting the direction here i only do the will of the one that sent me i am not the head even jesus is saying i am not the head you got vision jesus is saying i have a head and it's God the father and it's his will that i'm here to walk out
0: you have in, your, in the head you got vision and hearing and and speaking and smelling your, all all your senses yes in you know.
2: Yep. Okay, next one is chapter 8, John chapter 8 verses 27 through 30. I'll read this one. Uh, It says they did not understand what he spoke to them of the father. Then Jesus said to them, when you lift up the son of man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing of myself. But as my father taught me, I speak these things. He who sent me is with me. My father has not left me alone, for I always do the things that please him. This is Jesus walking correctly, walking out what it means to be under the headship of Father God. And he says, I always do what pleases Him.
3: And that kind of falls under the army of mother and father. Absolutely. And that part where he says, that I do nothing of myself, such humility.
6: Yep. And as far as a husband and wife's relationship, it strengthens the you know, it's kind of like garbage in, garbage out, the fruit that, that we as husbands can only receive good fruit from Jesus by studying and understanding who he is. And that will just, as, as God flows to Jesus, Jesus flows to man, man flows to his wife.
2: Right. Go back and read Ephesians chapter 5. Man's role in ministering to the wife is so significant, right? How do we minister? How do we minister correctly? You Being a pure vessel, right? A pure vessel through which the river of living water will flow. Who will be the primary recipient when we as men walk purely? Who will be the primary recipient of that flow? Our wives. Our wives being ministered to and loved on literally by the Spirit of God through the husband. I mean, what a beautiful picture that will be. What a beautiful relationship yeah. that We're will have that
3: Colossians about no harsh, no bitter. Yep. I mean, that's all That's all the flesh that would come out. Yep. But if you only speak what God is telling you to speak.
2: Yep. Wow. Mm. Wow. It's a low bar I know that Jesus is establishing here, right? <laughs> <laughs> this is really, really going to be easy for us to, to do. You you understand why, you know, Naomi starting the whole night with humility was so appropriate. What God God is inviting us into, make no mistake about it, saints, it's impossible. It is impossible. And the sooner you realize this is impossible, and I cannot make this happen, I cannot will this to happen, I cannot force this to happen, the, food, the sooner we all humble ourselves as a couple in particular and start praying and asking to be sanctified and united in these things that we cannot do on our own, the sooner we'll experience good fruit. That's just a whole other sermon. but
3: just ask what happened. It's funny, God's been having me sitting on this thing for a while and then I just see it in verse twenty nine it says and he who sent me and for some reason he keeps on putting that in my head for like a week and a half now. That and he's just been right, like you have a purpose. Like so many times I think, Oh well you know, God sent Jesus but, but he sent he sent us to become saints. That's he said right. like there's there's something that each one of us has that very special thing that only Kyle can do, that but only right. Michael can do, that right. only Rick, can you, I mean, like, something that only we're supposed to do. And if you are in that marriage positioning, man, we either can propel ourselves forward to God's will or stop ourselves dead in the tracks. Exactly, yeah. exactly right. And
2: that's know, why it's yeah. under such attack. So that's why such it's attack. such a yeah. target.
6: And the other piece that uh, I'm glad you actually pointed back to that is in, in verse 29, he's saying, He that sent me is with For me. me. Yeah. It's like he's not, like, even though he sent with a clear, yeah,
2: that's so huge.
6: you know, thing that he had to do to do. He's like, I'm not. You're not going by yourself. I'm right. with
2: you. And right. in, 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 you'll actually notice Jesus mentions this in almost every one of his statements that the, that Father's not with him, That Father is still with him, right. And what's the heart of the new covenant? I'm going to replace your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and I'm going to put my spirit in you and move you to align with my commandments. Move, so the spirit of God is centered to all of this. Like We are not left alone. We are not just given the order and said good luck. Yeah. No, we're given everything we need. We just have to be humble. We just have to submit. We just have to surrender. Right?
7: All what? Okay. It you're all that
9: You'll get that revelation yep. from you know, God. Because if you read it in
7: the flesh, you know
4: you You'll
2: miss all this stuff yep. so you to... exactly right all right chapter 10 verse 30 John chapter 10 verse 30 obviously my uh, encouragement is to go and read through these um, you know these passages with a little bit more context we're just doing this kind of for time's sake reading one one or two verses at a time. But chapter um, ten, verse thirty, is just a pretty much a straightforward statement. It says, "I and my Father are one." So let's just put this in um, in headship terms: Jesus "I and my head are one." Right? That's what Jesus said: "I and my head are one."
5: Jesus is Lord.
2: And the
0: message that I and the Father, I and the Father are one heart and mind.
1: Yeah.
3: Which brings you back to the one flesh. That's right. That as two separate physical beings, God's oh calling God. us to become a spiritual one flesh. Yeah, that's right. yeah. Can you just read that one more time? I and my Father are one. Okay,
2: okay chapter twelve. We're almost done. Chapter twelve, forty-four through 50. Chapter uh, 12, Chapter 12, 44 through 50.
9: me but in him who sent me And, and he who sees me sees him who sent me I have come as a light unto the world and whoever believes in me shall not abide in darkness and if anyone hears my words and does not believe I do I do not judge him for I did not come to judge the world but to save the world he who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him the word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. Mm-hmm. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command, what, me, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his commandment is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me to, told me, so I speak.
7: Okay.
2: So Jesus, regarding his head, only speaks. What the head gave him to speak, did not speak on his own. Okay, now we're really going to rattle your brains. John 14, verse 28. John 14. 14, verse 28. you have heard me say to you I am going away and coming back to you if you loved me you would rejoice because I said I am going to the father and my father is greater than I right that's a hard one that's a hard one to hear all right why is that so hard to hear
0: that's What's that? Is that when he, you, you know,
2: they put him on a cross and he's Yeah, I mean, we know, we know the context of what he's talking about, but the statement that he makes in that passage, I think for a lot of people would argue that. They would argue if I said God is greater than Jesus, a lot of people would have a problem with that. Right? Why is that? What have we always been taught? Jesus is God. They're equal. They're one and the same. You know, they, there's no difference between the two. Jesus is God. God is Jesus. So they're they're equal. But but Jesus is very clear here, and, and we got to stick with stick with what's written and hear what's written. Jesus himself says that God is greater than him. Right? Did, did, does that mean Jesus is? Um, was Jesus offended by that?
4: No.
2: You know, did Jesus have a problem with that? Did Jesus try and? Manipulate his way um, to be in, in a different position. No, he, you know, and we're looking at what was Jesus's response to the or to the order. Submit
9: to the he mission submitted.
2: He submitted to what God created, or God said, or God, you know, the truth that God is greater than Jesus. Right. This is this is what it means. For Jesus to recognize the headship of God, he recognized God was greater than him. Right? I know that's very hard for us to hear, very hard for us to get our heads around, but we gotta, we got to hear what's written.
7: we got to stick with what's written. Something occurred to me as we were like, a, or as I was thinking about this after a couple weeks ago, whenever the last time, but um, I was just thinking about, okay, so if Jesus is my head, that relationship only works... A, if I allow him to be, B, if I follow him, yep. right, and, and follow his lead. Yep. And that can never, that relationship can never be reciprocal. Like, I, I can't all of a sudden become Jesus. Right? Exactly right. That doesn't,
1: it just doesn't work that exactly
7: way, right? right? The only way that it flows is if I allow him, follow him, and then he takes it from there, exactly right? right? But then, you know, you take this whole concept that he's teaching us, and man has the obligation of allowing Jesus to be his head, thats right. right? That's a pretty huge... I'm not... Burden's the wrong word, uh, but you know what I'm trying to say, right? right? It's, it's a big task. Absolutely. It's a big responsibility. And so, obviously, the fruit of that is not going to be bad fruit in a marriage, right? right. It's going to be good fruit, okay, right? right. And, and therefore, then we become somebody that our wives would like to follow. Exactly. You know? Is that it? always going to be the case? No. no. I mean, a lot of times, our wives are going to have to be... Ones that submit, even when you know what, it doesn't make any sense. That's right, it's I don't deserve to be submitted to, That's right? I, you know, I, I'm mm-hmm. in the wrong. Um, and you know, the reality is, is whenever my wife does do that, guess what? I come to like a, a come to Jesus moment really quickly. Yeah, and, and why is I'm that? Like, hey, why I, is that, Seth? Uh, well, I'd say the spirit works for exactly. right? mm-hmm. yeah. God's so, God's favor and
2: provision and help and everything that He offers us rests on obedience, right? It, 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 it happens as we obey. So, it, so that's exactly right. And this is the piece that, you know, I know the Lord had me last week speak about that conditional obedience because men's conditional obedience based on Jesus doing the right thing, guess what? We have no excuse. Jesus is always going to do the right thing. He's always going to be the perfect head. We have no conditional obedience excuse. Our wives have almost a constant conditional obedience excuse, right? But, but what Seth is saying is 100% right. Diane doesn't have the place to, to disobey God's word because I'm not doing it right. She does not have that place. The same way that our kids do not have the place to disobey us as their parents if we're not quite doing it right. God's obedience and, and the obedience that God calls us to is not conditional in that way. And what Seth said, the beautiful part, that's, that's exactly right, is, is when wise, for example, still submit to, to us, even when we're screwing up, Watch God come and step into that situation and do the right thing. Watch that man get convicted the way that he needs to be, or be led into the truth the way that he needs to be. Right? This is why someone in the marriage has got to do the right thing, right? Someone's gotta be someone's gotta be willing, someone's gotta be humble enough, someone's gotta sacrifice, someone's gotta believe, and that might change minute by minute, right? That might change six times in one argument. But, but but what we have to do is be uh, be willing, right? we gotta, we got to know what's written, and one of us has to align with it. And I believe we have a chance if we do. Right, Krista? I was just going to
4: say, um, to add to that, as a wife, that's why we need to be continually praying for our husbands. 100%. Yeah. Continually. This is where um, intercession
2: for your spouse are, becomes yeah, so yeah, huge.
4: We are one flesh that I may not agree with what he's leading our family to do. But I'm gonna pray.
9: I'm
3: gonna pray about it, absolutely. and either ask God to change my heart and my mindset, or the Holy Spirit is gonna work in Him, absolutely and He's gonna to speak to both of us together.
2: Big time. And I'm telling you, a a, a couple that begins to do that, wow.
1: It's hard. It's it's, not it's hard. Sometimes. It's hard, and it's absolutely.
2: rare. But but think of the think of the unity. Think of the power. Think of the the. Uh, the peace, you know, all of what God could do with that. You know, it's beautiful. And that's such, such an amazing opportunity.
3: It's like what Krista just said too. And, and as hard as this is sometimes, we have to watch our husbands literally make a mistake because it's something that God needs them to see how they're... Instead of us trying to be like overly... We have that. Overly convincing them. I just know this is not the right thing. And sometimes as the man, or as, like, I've had to like, I've had to like make mistakes in order to learn, unfortunately sometimes they're not very, easy. we've all been there and, and that's a hard part, so I absolutely agree, that intercession of either change my heart if I'm wrong, or Lord convict him to see where he's out of alignment
2: and I would argue the only time you're really going to intercede in that way, the only time you're really going to be that um, willing to pray, is when you truly, um, decide to come into alignment with this, right? Because then you don't have an option, right? For, for you women to, to truly align with the Word of God, you're required to submit to your husbands. Yeah. And if you're required to submit to your husbands and you're seeing your husband lead you wrong you are going to pray, right? right? You are going to pray. If never before, you are going to pray in that moment. And sometimes, sometimes necessity, right? Necessity brings the right thing sometimes, right? Praise God for that. Yeah, You know, it kind
4: of reminds me of, um, like, our faith and where we put our, you know, trust. And it's not... Like the topic, what you're discussing. Like if your husband's, like you know, in left field or whatever. You know, it's just the act. I think of being obedient and yep. uh, having obedience. Yep. You know, to follow. It just like, you know, you have a situation that you're in. You should put your faith in Jesus. Absolutely you know. Right. And so it's not. It's, it's not like you're working in the flesh to. To Say, oh, I, I know that there's a better way that that's not like
3: the point.
4: Yep. And so um, you know, Anyway, I, I experienced this fruit. I didn't realize that it was happening But I so Todd and I kind of experienced this this last week uh, when, you, when you said hey, did anybody else have these things? I was like, wait a second. Yeah, like, we, we did that too. And um, I got an opportunity like, um, we had like a misunderstanding. I just said, you know, I'm sorry, which is not like my first thing. I was like, no, you're right, I'm right, you know, and everything. And, but then I saw God work through him. And instead of just like, you know, just, you know, gloating or something, he was really humble. And so, and so it, it is God's perfect.
7: Design, you know, um, to keep that harmony and peace right. and the spirit flowing through the home. And so I was really grateful for that. Amen. Well, don't forget, wow. least is the grace to the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. Michael, Michael's
1: been yeah. patient with
7: here.
6: Yeah. I just thought, uh, Ezra, we're going through is I'm, I'm going back to Genesis.
1: When
6: God created, he created us woman as a helper. That's right. And I'm sitting here and I'm listening to all of this and I'm realizing from creation to now um, the intent of, of woman in our life is to be that helper. That's right. Irregardless of not irregardless, but in in alignment with the structure which God has laid out. He knew then that we as men would be totally messed up at times and would need a helper. Absolutely. But in order for them to be a helper, we have to acknowledge our heads right. and walk that out. And um, that is—that's impossible. It's literally impossible to do. And sometimes you don't even. Sometimes you become arrogant as man and think that uh, you got everything covered for you. And you need discussions like this to remind
1: you
6: that uh, this is God's design. That's right.
1: mm-hmm.
2: One more, one more, hold on One more passage, John fifteen ten. Last one And then you can share 15,
1: 10.
2: John 15, 10. If You keep my commandments You will abide in my love Just as I have kept my Father's commandments And I abide in His love Jesus, recognizing God as his head, one of the ways in which he walked that out, he kept his commandments, and in doing so, abided in his love. Yes, wife?
3: I feel like this is something that I I want to say. Okay, anyway. One of the things I I grew up with, as well as has been a cyclical, common thread in many women that I should say God puts in my life, is... um, after you're married, the unequally yoking. The, the you know, like, and, and someone actually just, just this week literally said, walk into a church and you tell me the percentage of women sitting there versus their husbands. Mm-hmm. And, and I believe that that is a lie that the enemy can absolutely throw in there to say, you know, well, you know, that'd be great. Like it almost disregarded the person I was talking to this week. And I truly feel like this was very specific for them, but it might apply to anyone else that may hear this. Um, but it's almost a, a disregard to say, well, you know, he is so far from God, he is so lost, he doesn't even know how lost he is. And on that piece of it, it, it could almost be a reason to now neglect your own obedience and what God is telling us wives to do. So I am specifically talking to the married people right now or people who are considering marrying someone who is not in the same alignment where they are at with the Lord. And and ultimately, I, the words that I spoke to I said, But what if your obedience to what God has told you to do is so much bigger than even if they lived to be 95? They could live to be 95. And I said, but it's about their salvation. And I said, what if God, who knowing everything, knew exactly, and your main goal, your job, your however you want mandate that you had for your life was literally in the hardships, in the humility. And and all they kept saying to me this week is like, I felt like, and she was really hearing God, she was like, I felt like God said, die a little bit more, die a little bit more. And I go, and that's the cross that we're talking about, that we, sometimes, if you are the wife, that is literally like, I don't understand, it's like, but just watch. You will get nuggets. So just take this as encouragement if you are in that kind of a marriage right now. Take this as encouragement that at some point, he literally may have every scale fall off and goes, I have, but the way I, you still are married 40 years later, 25 years later. Why did you stay with me based on because... And that's when you get to point him to God. And that's, that's when I hate to say it, but all but like, Jesus is strife. I mean, like, seriously, it, how, how much of a smaller burden is that that you have to put up with the humility every day or the die to yourself every day, but it really, truly could mean salvation for your spouse, an eternal perspective, not this earthly perspective, and to allow your children to see... Man, mom never gave up. She never, ever stopped the prayers. She never, ever stopped doing, it. but if you want to say it, the right thing, the biblically right thing, not just the world. So I just, I feel like there's just some encouragement for anyone who might be sitting in that position because I feel like God was saying, you just gotta change your perspective. Stop looking at your circumstances and look at it from an eternal, perspe- eternal perspective. And when you look at that from that way, do you want your spouse, even as angry as you are at them right now, do you want them to spend eternity in hell? Eter- eternity separated from the Lord. And the answer should always be no. <laughs> as angry as you are. So that hopefully encouraged some of you to hear it.
2: So here's what uh, I believe you're to do. We're to do. <laughs> take take this list. Recognize it as the perfect example of Obedience under headship, right, by, by God's design. Men, you're evaluating it regarding Christ as your head, and women that are married, you're regarding it regarding your husbands as your head. And, and just look at each of these areas, and I would say just honestly evaluate where you're at. And um, I'm not going to share any magic words right now. I'm not even going to, uh, honestly, I don't even think I'm supposed to share what I think you should do with it. I just think that the Spirit's going to want to work with you where you're, where you're weak, maybe encourage you where you're strong. But I think He's got something for every one of us in these areas, and I just don't want to try to give you that myself. That's between you and Him. That's to be done with you and Him. This is where um, Deuteronomy chapter 6, how, how real are we going to take this? Uh, we, we're, we're, we're going into, into the promised land with some instruction on how to live. Are you going to walk it out? Are you gonna, Do you believe this is all real? Are you going to press in and, and see what the Spirit says? Are you going to actually seek change and correction and alignment? Or is this paper going to get shoved under your car seat and you're never going to look at it again? That, that's the question. I leave it all to each of you, um, but I do thank you for your patience tonight, and, and um, I just praise Jesus for being the, the perfect example that He is, you know, the, the perfect picture that we can see, this is, this is what it looks like, this has been walked out perfectly, and the same dove that descended and rested upon His shoulder is now inside every one of us that are born again, so can we be obedient, can we walk this out, can we have Christian homes as defined by the Word of God, a hundred percent, right? And that to me is the exciting possibility that I want to celebrate with a cookie,
1: right?
6: a, a cookie, you
2: just said a cookie,
1: okay? So hold on, let's pray, and
2: then, and then and then we'll sing some some birthday songs and have a cookie. So Father God, we I pray that um, that the Spirit of the... Living God that you have placed inside every one of us who are authentically born again would just um, guide, convict, um, comfort, whatever it is you have for everyone in this room regarding the things that you are showing us right now. I pray that each of us would, would receive that in fullness and that we would respond appropriately. And that great fruit would come from it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I would
4: like to also
2: say it's Diana's birthday on Thursday. What? what?
1: what? Diana's birthday's on Thursday? Oh. Well,
2: we're doing all three. Yeah, we're doing all three.
1: now. I
3: just Oh, hold on, hold on, hold
2: on, hold on. I forgot. I, so black, not I, I forgot something. Hold on, real quick. I need everyone's attention. I, I blew it. I, I meant to say this before we started, and I just forgot it. So, um, next yeah. Friday evening and Saturday morning, we're going to a handful of us are going to a, a, a men's conference here in town. Like I said, it's a few hours on Friday night, and then like half a day on Saturday. That's next, a week a week from today, and a week from yesterday. Um, anyone that wants to go, NCC is going to cover the, the cost for it. So I just need, um, who wants to go? That's Andrew, Michael, and myself so far. Yeah. Uh, anyone else that wants to go, I will probably be paying for us probably like on Thursday. So just Wednesday. Wednesday.
0: Wednesday.
1: Wednesday. You can ask me by Wednesday if you want oh, it. Well, well, actually, I'll trade you. We will it's be having karate. It's next I it's karate. karate. I don't know karate, but i know crazy.